know about you, but I seek God in the present moment. I want to find God now, not just off in the future, not just in the past, but now. And today there's just so many interruptions, so many things that work against that, right? We're constantly being pulled away by our attention to buy this or to do that or to schedule this. One of the interruptions that I've taken my sweet time in attending to is visiting our local MVB. <laughs> yeah, see, right here I have my, my Texas driver's license. I'm not a Texan. So I've been ready to get rid of my Texas driver's license. Now many of you told me, go to MVD Express. Go to MVD Express. It costs a little more, but it's a little quicker. Well, you know, I like to save money. I, I don't want to unnecessarily spend money. Right, Donna? And so I thought, well, if I time it just right, I can go. So I made a phone call. I checked on the website trying to figure out what documents am I going to need to take to the MVP. And I found this list and I called. I called multiple different days, called different people, and found out everything that I needed. I got my car inspected. I was armed with lots of documents. And I went in and I took my number and I sat down and I waited. Thank you, thank you. And then it came. Now serving number 144 in carousel nine. And I marched up there with my sack of papers and I laid it out. And I'm telling you, in 15 seconds, he had dismissed me. <laughs> I was struck out. He didn't even have to throw a pitch. I was sent to the dugout. I didn't have what I needed. And he gave me this sheet that I wish they'd put on the website or given to their phone personnel. And I went home and I spent several more weeks gathering up more papers, more documents for my return visit. Mind you, this is just the first car of three in our household that I have to take <laughs> care of. And I go in, and I had my social security card, I had my birth certificate, I had my baby book with a lock of hair. <laughs> I was ready to turn this Texas driver's license in and leave it. And after a couple of hours of sitting there in carousel, this time carousel 13, I sat and we talked green chili peppers and we worked through getting my driver's license, getting my car retitled in New Mexico, and getting tags. And so I'm, I'm glad to say that this one's void and I now have my New Mexico license. Yeah. Y you know how well it's worthy of applause. All of us feel like <laughs> applauding whenever we leave. They're just things that sometimes be, are a hassle, right? That where we get interrupted. Even our series has been interrupted a bit. And I've been looking at how we might invite and welcome Jesus, welcome the kingdom of God into the now. Not later, not somewhere in the past, but right now. And we've been doing that by looking at the actual words of Jesus. The first four things that Jesus says in the Gospel of Mark. And we've looked at his proclamation of what he said. We've looked at him inviting people to be present with him and follow him. We've seen his power expressed 
And today we're going to look at the fourth of these phrases that Jesus says in the Gospel of Mark. And I think it's just appropriate on a day like this, when we're installing G Jimmy into ministry, when we're all thinking about our own calling to ministry and calling to discipleship, that we should look at these passages and look at these stories where Jesus expresses to us what it looks like in the real world to follow him as a disciple. So I kind of have to refresh your memory, though, because it's been a pretty exciting day for Jesus, and we stopped it right in the middle of the day. Do you remember how these things have unfolded? Just before the big day in Capernaum, he had uh, pronounced his message, the kingdom of God is at near, repent and believe this good news. He gives this gospel message. He strolls along the Galilee shores and invites four very common fishermen. I think he probably could have chosen any four fishermen, but he chooses four to come and follow him. And then the next morning, he gets up and he goes into the synagogue at Capernaum. These four fishermen's local synagogue where they were used to going. And Jesus teaches, as you remember, but we don't get the message that he actually spoke. What we get is what everyone remembers. A disruptive, demon-possessed man speaks up in the middle of the assembly, and Jesus says, shut up, come out of him. And we see this deed of power. Well, that's where we pick up today. Jesus and the disciples walk out of that Capernaum synagogue, not very far at all, to Peter and Andrew's house. Here's the story. Mark chapter 1, verse 29. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. She came, and he took her by the hand, and he lifted her up. And then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening, at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons. And the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick and with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit them, the demons, that is, to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still dark, very dark. He got up and he went to a deserted place and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said, everyone is searching for you. And he answered, let us go on to the neighboring towns so that I may proclaim the message there also. For that's what I came to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. Wow, what a day. What a 24-hour power-packed period of time for Jesus. He goes in to uh, Simon Peter's mother-in-law, so Peter's definitely married, and she's sick with fever. Everyone's probably hungry. Everyone's talking about what all has happened in church that day. And they're ready to eat, but she's sick. And Jesus 
without saying a word, takes her hand, lifts her up, and she gets up and begins serving, waiting on tables for them. Now, it can be a little off-putting for people today to hear that, to hear a woman being given table service, because we don't really have gender-specified roles for who cooks in, in, in society today. It's just not there. And so it can kind of make some bristle when they hear that, thinking, I can't believe, is this just going to continue and perpetuate these gender stereotypes? But I want us to look a little more closely at what's going on here, because some things are happening. And in the Gospel of Mark, if you pay close attention all the way through, the women are the one who get it. I'm serious about this. They're the ones anointing his feet. They're the ones getting up to serve, literally the word for a deacon, to wait on tables. They're the ones at the tomb. The women get it. The male disciples are just kind of confused, kind of faithless at times. They're not always seeming to know what is going on. But this woman gets up and does what she has never done before. Now, I don't mean she likes to go to restaurants and doesn't cook. She gets up and serves tables on the Sabbath. That's something that she's not done before. You see, what we have is not just a woman doing woman's duty. We have an example for all disciples of all genders that the response to Jesus' healing is to get up and to serve and to be a servant. Now, that, that's a message that preaches for all of us, male and female. Wow, I love seeing this woman actively joining Jesus in his mission. Well, it's pretty striking what happens next on this same day. Without a cell phone to call Sister Elizabeth down the street, without the internet to let the parents of Levi, the demon-possessed terror child, know, word spreads through the whole town and everybody gathers at the door. Now, they all wait until the sun sets at the Sabbath. They're still maintaining the ritual laws, right? They're going to wait. But they show up at the door, and Jesus heals, and he casts out demons, and has this very long night. And then we get Mark telling us, after everybody goes to bed, sometime late in the night, when it's still very dark, Jesus gets up, and he goes to pray. Now, I'd love to spend weeks just on that. But folks, let that soak in. The Son of Man, God in flesh, after a long day of work, after a long evening of work, gets the least amount of sleep of anyone and gets up to pray. Just simmer in that for a while. That is a profound message. Then we get this massive hide-and-seek game where everybody's looking for Jesus. They can't find it. They want to find Jesus the healer. Simon Peter, of course, finds him. Jesus, everyone's looking for you. You see, Simon needs Jesus to stay in his home. Simon needs Jesus to stay in his town. Simon needs Jesus to stay where he can be controlled and made use of 
to be a healer and a teacher because things are going pretty well. We've got Jesus at the level of rock star in Capernaum. Everyone is coming. They want to hear him. They want to be around him. And this is strange that Simon would, it's strange to Simon that Jesus would disappear and hide. And now we get to the fourth word. The fourth word from Jesus. It's, it's pretty troubling, folks. It's troubling for me on this weekend. Look in verse 38. As Jesus is told that there are people looking for him, and we know they want to be healed, listen to what Jesus says. Jesus answers, Let us go on to the neighboring town so that I may proclaim the message there also. For that's why I came, that's what I came to do. So Jesus wants to leave? He wants to go on? He wants to move from this place? Does that trouble anyone else? I mean, Maybe it doesn't trouble you, but if I'm the one that wants to be healed, that needs healing, that's standing or without legs kneeling, ready to be healed, this drives me bat crazy mad. What do you mean leave? What do you mean go away? But that's exactly what Jesus does. Now, I don't know if that how that hits you or how that troubles you, but it really drives us down into a reality that's difficult. That some people are healed and some people are not healed. There are those that Jesus raises from the dead and there are so many more that Jesus does not raise from the dead. And him saying, let's go on to the next town, doesn't really soothe things for my soul. It doesn't really provide answers for me. It forces me, with the healed and the unhealed, to kind of sit in the mystery and wonder why that is. I don't have to name names this weekend, do I, of the people for whom that we prayed, that now we're praying other things because we're letting them go. I don't have to name the names of those who have gone on at young ages and whose parents still mourn and still suffer the loss. You have your own names and you have your own people and this reality is a hard one to sit in and it's difficult. But what Jesus says is let's go on because I came to preach. Jesus invites us into this mission that is not our mission that we don't have control over. It's a mission that stretches beyond one healing. It's a mission that stretches beyond one household or one small community by one little lake. It's a mission that stretches to the far reaches of the world. It's a mission that wraps us all up in where God is going, and it is larger than ourselves. This concept of going is a definite missionary concept where we're as disciples invited to trust that the kingdom of God is secure even when there are elements and pockets that look like, hmm, I don't feel God's reign there. 
we're invited to go. You see, Jesus is not distracted. He's not even really interrupted. He knows exactly what he is about. And his mission of the kingdom of God is about proclaiming, both in word and in deed, the reign of the kingdom of God. It is about showing people that they need to be present with God, and it is constantly propelling them into the future. Well, you bear with me a lot every week. I'm going to ask you to bear with me a little bit more. Because these four things of proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, of being present with Jesus, of seeing the power of the kingdom, and then being propelled in mission about going where God is calling us, they all show up in the last story that shows up in this chapter. Okay? Let's look real quickly. Verse 40. A leper came to him begging him and kneeling him before him, and he said to him, If you choose, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretches out his hand and touched him and said, I do choose, be made clean. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. After sternly warning him, he sent him away at once, saying, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for yourself cleansing for what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But he went out and he began to proclaim it freely, and to spread the word so that Jesus could no longer go into a town openly, but stayed out in the country, and people came to him from every quarter. Now, here's where I need you to be patient with me, because if you dig down deep into this, there's some things that I see that are not the Lord, right? So this is me, this is my hunch, this is not of the Lord. If if you see what's happening here, we get this one showing all four aspects of discipleship. He comes, he kneels, he's begging. Mark could have chosen any one of those words, but he chooses all of them. This guy wants to be in the presence of Jesus. Second, if you need a prayer for how to pray for healing or how to pray for something that you would like of God that's phrased so perfectly, look at how this leper does this. If you choose... You can make me heal. Isn't that great? Look at, look at that. If you choose, you can make me clean. Now here's the strange part. Look at these words. In verse 41, it says, moved with pity. If you've got good eyes and can check the little footnote, that word also means moved with anger. That's a little strange. Translators are softening it a bit. If you look a little bit further, uh, in verse 43 there, he sternly warns him. This is the word for snorting like a horse. Okay, it's not what we picture for Jesus. He's shown anger. He is now snorting, don't you say anything to anyone, right? And then he throws him out. He sends him on his way. This is an unusual choice of words. This is the cast out demon's word. So he's snorting, he's moved with anger, he's throwing this guy out, and all of this we don't quite see as we read our toned down translation of this story. Say nothing to no one. 
Now, again, this is me and not the Lord, but here's what I think is going on here. This man asks for Jesus to make him clean, ritually clean. He's not really asking Jesus to heal him. And I think Jesus' anger or his pity are kind of wrapped up in two things. He is angry about a disease like leprosy, which is just a widespread, all kinds of skin diseases thing that makes someone ritually unclean. They can't go to synagogue. They can't be out in public. Everyone there around treats them like a leper, like someone to keep your distance from. And so Jesus is mad at the disease, but he's also mad at how it separates people. It locks people out of being close to God. That's me. It's not the Lord. But I think he's angry at the disease, and I think he's angry at this system of ritual purity. And he says, okay, if this is the way you want to play, don't tell anyone about this. You go to the priest and let the priest see what's happened to you. I've made you clean and healed. You look at how he does it. Jesus reaches out and touches him. Does Jesus care about ritual uncleanness? No. He comes and reaches out to us and touches us, cleans us and heals us. And, of course, the man goes out and proclaims it freely. He spreads the word. Now, if you got that or like that, fine. It's a freebie. It's not all that we're about today. I just wanted you to see how this leper comes into the presence of Jesus to be healed, asks for the power or the authority of Jesus to clean him, and then is sent out on a mission to go see the priest and told not to proclaim, but he proclaims it openly. Where I want us to land and the point of today is about finding Jesus' mission and being on mission with Jesus. It's that simple. Don't get lost in the leper. Because the mission is getting up and going with Jesus. It's what we've seen at every turn with Peter's mother-in-law. She gets up and she serves. She does what she's never done before to serve on the Sabbath. We have Jesus saying, yes, there are healings to be done here, but let's go. We can't stay in one place. We're going to be moving forward. Yes, the whole town gathered, but only many are healed. Not all are healed. And then we get this leper where all four of these things of discipleship show up. My aim today is to get you on mission with Jesus. To know that there is a going aspect to this. That we can't sit back complacent. We must be moving forward. Even Jesus, who could have sat complacent as a rock star in Capernaum, moved on. He moved on to places that were uncomfortable and different. It's been the same with God all along. With Abraham, he says, come, we're going to go to a place I will show you. With Jacob, he's blessed, but he's sent out to the other side of the family. He wrestles with God. He learns what it is to be with God on the move as a runaway. Or even with Moses, go to Pharaoh, lead the people out of slavery that they, for some reason, are comfortable with, cross the Red Sea. There's always this movement forward of new things that God is calling us to do. And it requires giving up some things. 
letting some things go. Or we don't think about Jesus in one little box as just a healer or just a preacher or just our personal Jesus. But it's opened, it's blown open for us to enter something that's much bigger. Well, if all of that didn't make sense, then let me circle back to my driver's license here. You know, I was ready to give this one up, this Texas one, and there's certain things that you have to give up, right? Give up no state income tax. Give up voting in Texas, no problem. Give up driving necessarily or being identified as a Texan. Coming and being able to pay taxes in New Mexico. Coming to be able to vote and open a bank. That's a whole other story for how I got my bank finally opened up. Right? There are things that you give up. If you look at these, they're the same. It seems like it's business as usual. There's a picture of me. There's address that's different. They both allow me to drive in whatever state I want to. But there are things that we have to give up. In the kingdom of God, it's like that. We might look like things are going on business as usual, but when we are on mission with God, we are surrendering control. We're releasing the outcome to God, and we're letting God take us where he wants to go. Folks, I can tell you with beyond a shadow of a doubt that the best things are ahead for this church and for those that are with God. No doubt about it. Because with God and in the kingdom of God, the best is always ahead. That says nothing about the past. It says nothing about the present. But when we go with God, when we're willing to release what we hold on to so tightly, God can take us into new places. It can be really uncomfortable because sometimes it challenges our status quo thinking. But I can tell you, when we go deeper into God, when we go deeper into the future that God has provided, it's always better. Is it easier? No. Is it error-free? No. Is it without struggle? No. For Jesus, the cross looms on the horizon of this story. But he is stretching us and pulling us on mission into the secure position of our confidence being in God and in God's reign. And so we can say, we can say goodbye to things. We can say goodbye to people that we love. We can say to goodbye to good things that have happened or good programs, and we can say hello to what God's future is going forward. That gives me great hope. And what I want to do over the next couple of weeks, just two more weeks, is look at those four things to really wrestle with them on our part. Not what Jesus said, but now, what does it look like for us to live that life of the disciple? Let's go to God in prayer. God, you are such a good God. So good. You've been faithful, faithful longer than we can even track, let alone know in our hearts and minds. And we ask you to go with us that you will assure us of your presence, that you'll help us on this journey ahead, help us to trust you, to not trust our own experiences, not trust 
all that we might know or feel comfortable about, but that you'll help us leave the synagogue, leave the home, and move forward out into the country that is open for where you will take us. Father, today hearts are heavy. Today we feel great loss. And while we can't erase the mystery and the wise, we can be assured that you are God and that you will be glorified in all things. So we pray all this, asking for you to lead us in Jesus' name. Amen.